Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. This morning, Kettering, if you have your Bible with you, and you should, I want to invite your attention to 1 Kings chapter 19. We'll begin our reading at verse number 1. God's word reads as follows, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them, by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. And he said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under the broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head there was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So he ate and he drank and lay back down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time, touched him, and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose, he ate, and he drank, and he went in the strength of the food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And so he said, I have been zealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed the prophets with the sword. And I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we honor you on this day. We thank you for your grace and kindness. We pray even now, God, that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide our time of preaching. I need you, God, that you might supernaturally empower me to be able to speak the word of God that you have for this waning congregation, the word, God, that would change their life, a word, eternal God, that would draw someone out of darkness and into the marvelous light. Father, speak a word in our time today that might encourage someone who walked in the door discouraged. Lord, speak a word of direction and wisdom for us, God, that when we leave this place of preaching, we will know we have heard from God. Spirit of the Lord, I need you as I stand here as a a weak vessel, strengthen my physical body. Give me, God, clarity of thought and clarity of speech. Let the words, God, that I preach on today be powerful in your sight. Let them be effective in the hearts of those who are listening. Let them penetrate and get beyond the walls that we've built up around us, that our hearts might be pierced with the truth of Scripture, and that we might be the better for having heard your word. God, speak a word in this place today that you would get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise for you alone, God, are worthy of it all. Have your way now, God. As you open up the text to us, speak in the midst of your people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Katerin, we've been on a journey, a series of messages entitled, 
walking through hell. We started our journey walking through hell in Joshua chapter 1, where we spoke to you from the subject matter, walking through hell with the word. From there, went to Daniel chapter 3, part 2, walking through hell with good company. Part 3 was from Daniel chapter 10, delayed response while walking through hell. And then on last Sunday, when we were together, we went in Ezekiel chapter 37, and we spoke there from the idea, hope of life while walking through the hell of dry bones. This morning, Katerin, we find ourselves in this passage in 1 Kings chapter 19, and here in 1 Kings, to bring you up to speed to what's happening is this particular time, the tribes of Israel are divided. There are 10 tribes in the north known as Israel. There are two tribes in the south known as Judah. And Asa is king in Judah. And around about the time of this text coming into play, the king in the north of Israel passes and his son Ahab becomes king. Now, When Ahab becomes king, he immediately makes an alliance with a a heathen nation, the uh, Sidonians, and he marries one of their women and begins to turn the hearts of Israel towards the worship of idol gods. And he leads Israel into idolic worship, and it is said of Ahab that Uh, In all the kings that had led before him, he was the worst of them. He did more evil in the sight of God than any of the kings of Israel that were before him. And so as he leads the nation of Israel into idolic worship and leads them into a place where they are disrespecting the God who created them, the God who chose them, the God who blessed them, God sends Elijah to Ahab to talk to Ahab and to let Ahab know that Baal is not God. (laughs) Can I just talk through this piece? What he sends Elijah to Ahab to say is to tell Ahab that it's not going to rain, nor will any dew fall on the earth until I say so. Now you got to understand something, the God that they were worshiping, Baal, was supposed to be the one that was able to control the climate. But God says, I need to prove to you who's really in control. And so he sends a message through Elijah to tell Ahab that it's not going to rain, nor will the dew fall on the earth until I say so. And so God shuts off the faucet of heaven and no dew falls and no rain falls and there's drought in the land. And while there is drought in the land, the people in Israel begin to suffer because there's no water to take care of their crops. There's no water to take care of their livestock and there's no water to take care of the people. And so the people begin to suffer. And it's about three years later and Elijah comes and comes upon Ahab and Ahab shouts out, is not this the one, the, the troubler of Israel, he calls him. But the reality of it is the trouble of Israel was coming from Ahab. It wasn't coming from Elijah. And so he calls him out. And so Elijah challenges him to prove whose God is really God. And so he says, okay, let's go up on the mountain. We're going to put some offerings up here on the altar. We're going to build an altar up here. And whosoever God answers by fire, that God is God. 
And so you kind of perhaps know this story somewhat. They get up on the altar and they put the offerings up there and they put the bulls up there. And, and Elijah says, you know, y'all go first. And so uh, Ahab and he, he calls his prophets of Baal out and they begin to, to call on their God and they, nothing's happening and they're calling on their God and nothing's happening. As things get a little more intense, they start cutting themselves and, and they're jumping around and they're bleeding all over the altar, but nothing's happening. And so Elijah begins to mock them and talk about them. And he says, ah, maybe your God is asleep. You might want to cry a little louder. Maybe you need to make some more noise. And, and he begins to mock them. He says, maybe he went on vacation. Uh, he's away in some foreign place so you need to cry out a little louder so he can hear you where he is and and so he mocks them and and this goes on all day long until the evening and then finally Elijah says okay enough is enough it's my turn so Elijah steps up on the altar and he looks up towards heaven and he calls out to his God the living God and God answers Elijah by fire and fire comes down and not only does it take up the offering the sacrifice that was there on the altar but it takes up the stones that were around the altar and it takes up and licks up the dust that was under the altar and God proves that I'm the God who answers by fire I'm the real God and so uh, after that miraculous situation plays out then Elijah takes the sword and he begins to execute the prophets of Baal and he kills 450 of the prophets of Baal and when he's done slaying 450 of the prophets of Baal. Then he goes to Ahab king, you know, the one who think he ought to have the bags of chips and some chains. And he says to Ahab, well, Ahab, you might want to get on your way now because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. In other words, it's time for it to rain now that God has proven who is God. I wish y'all just stay with me for a little bit. I'm going to get you there. And so the rain comes and Elijah goes on to where he was going and Ahab goes on to where he was going and that brings us where we are in chapter 19 because by the time we get to chapter 19 Ahab goes home tells Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed the prophets with the edge of the sword and so all this begins to play itself out and it brings us to the point where we are in this text and I want to talk to you on this morning from the subject matter walking through a Jezebel hell now A Jezebel hell, I'm going to define as a perceived hell. A Jezebel hell is a hell that is developed as a result of a threat upon you or an indictment on you that the one offering the threat or indictment cannot fulfill. It's an empty threat. It's It's an empty accusation. It's an accusation that has inadequacies in the capability of fulfilling what it says it's going to do. But yet the threat alone causes you to go into a state of panic and distrust of the God you serve and to believe that you are now all in the midst of a hell that really isn't hell at all is just an illusion of a hell. Are y'all still here with me? Because when Elijah has done all of these great and awesome things by the undeniable power of God has been manifest in the ministry of Elijah. And at the close of that, when Elijah is at his weak point and Jezebel sends a message that I'm going to have your life by this time tomorrow in Elijah's 
mine, all hell just broke loose. Are y'all still here with me? Can I talk to somebody this morning that's real this morning? There are some situations in your life where threats have been given and promises have been made. And instead of you trusting the God who's already promised you, who's already proven to you, I'm God. You believe the lie and you begin to go into panic mode. And you believe that you were in hell and you believe that things were going to fall apart. But it was just a threat. It was an empty threat from one who could not fulfill what they said they was going to do. In fact, what is your Jezebel? What uh, or who is your Jezebel? Who is it that told you that they had power over your life? Uh, Who is it that spoke to you and said to you that they were going to control your destiny? Who told you that you're going to end up like your daddy? Who was it that spoke into your life and told you you ain't never going to be nothing? And and you've been walking through that hell for the last 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, because somebody who had no authority to speak into your life told you this is what's going to happen. And so you've been walking through that hell in in all this time. You've been fulfilling the promise that they put on you and not the word that God spoke over you. Who or what is it that has told you or controlled you or caused you to believe that you've got hell on every side? Is it your family that spoke to you or is it what you see happening in your family tree? Because sometimes we look at our family tree and because our family tree looks a certain way, we believe that that's what's going to happen to us because everybody in my family died before they reached the age of 70. Now you about 67 and you panic and thinking I ain't got about three more years left. And, and all of a sudden you're in an illusion of hell and you think everything getting ready to fall apart because you're looking at your family tree instead of the God of the tree. Are y'all still here with me? Who is it? What is it? Is it the boss on your job who told you if you don't get it straight, I'm going to fire you. I'm going to take away your ability to make money. I'm going to take away your salary. I'm going to take away your job. Who is it that's speaking a Jezebel hell into your life? Was it was it some ex in your life? You know, exes have power over a whole lot of folks. Lord have mercy. Exes can say stuff and 15 years later, you married for the third time since they was gone, and, and you still believe in what they told you. You still, Lord, help us here. You, you're still under the power of some ex who spoke into your life, some ex-girlfriend, some ex-boyfriend, some ex-husband, some ex-wife who told you you ain't no good and ain't nobody going to want you and, and who you think you are. You, you'll never be nothing, and you're, you're mean and you're evil. and You've adopted all that in your life, and you begin to live that thing out as if it were real. I just stopped by to let you know that's just a Jezebel hell. Stop walking in a Jezebel hell. It, and so I'm, I'm curious to know who, who is it that has told you they've got power that they don't have and who has caused you to believe that you're walking somewhere. Now, in Elijah's case, Elijah is operating and has just finished operating in the supernatural power of God. I mean, Elijah spoke a word from God and said, it's not going to rain. I mean, it ain't just not going to rain. God is completely shutting off the faucet. It ain't even going to have no default until I say so. And everything shut off. I mean, that's supernatural power. You got power to speak for God and, and the rain stops raining. I mean, and the dew stops falling. And then to to stand up on the mountain and call out to God and say, God, answer now by fire. And God not only answers by fire, but supernaturally laps up everything underneath to unquestionably prove that he's God. And then to turn around after that. 
pick up a sword and kill 450 people. Now you need to see the supernatural part of that. I mean, I know that some of us are strong and some of us are mighty, but can you imagine what it takes to yield a sword to kill 450 people? First of all, some of them going to run. When you start killing folks and you start swinging, you're going to get tired way before you get to 450. But the supernatural power of God is on Elijah and Elijah is slayed 450 prophets of Baal. And then he turns around and says, okay, now let it rain. Lord, have mercy. And it starts raining. He has now operated all under the supernatural power of God. And in the moment of his weakness, Jezebel says, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And he believes it. What? And all of a sudden, for him, he thinks hell has broken loose. I'm trying to put this in the context here. But what I want to say to you who are walking through a Jezebel hell is stop running. Because what Elijah does here in the text is once he gets that message, it's right here, verse number one. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had executed the prophets. And Jezebel sent the messages, told him, hey, I'm going to have you, man, by tomorrow this time. let Let the gods do to me this and more if I don't have your life by this time tomorrow. And he took off running for his life. Can you believe that? When he saw this, he arose and ran for his life. He ran after all God had just done. He got a word from, wait a minute, y'all need to see this. Jezebel ain't the king. Ahab is the king. This is, this is, this is the king's wife who's not even an Israelite, who doesn't even know his God. And Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you by tomorrow this time. And the Jezebel hell started, and he jumped up and started running. And I'm going to say to you what I say to Elijah, stop running. Stop running. Watch this. The text says, Ahab went home, and all that happened, and told Jezebel, you know what Elijah did? He a chump. I'm sorry. He, Ahab is a, he a punk. That ain't a cuss word, is it? Punk, not a cuss word. He going to run home and tell everyone, Elijah killed all the prophets. And let me tell you this. The enemy is always watching what you're doing for God. So that he can report back to Satan. And then Satan uses what the report is on you. So he can develop a strategy to put you in a Jezebel hell. So in other words, he's watching what you do so he can know what your weakness is. And when he finds your weakness, he strategizes, makes a plan, puts a plan together so he can put you on the run. I say stop running. Stop running because the plan of the devil is fruitless as it relates to your life. If you're born again, Satan has no power over you. Now, if you happen not to be saved, you're his child and he can do what he wants with you. But if you're a child of the living God, he has no power over you. Lord, have mercy. And so I say, stop running. Don't get up and run at the threat of a Jezebel. No. But Elijah jumped up and ran. And now when the enemy has his strategy put together, he sends a messenger and has the messenger deliver the message to Elijah 
so that it can create doubt in Elijah's mind. And the same thing happens between you and I. Once the enemy knows what you're doing for God and he figures out how he can shake you from your faith in God, he sends a messenger to you to cause your faith to stumble, to cause you to stop believing in the power of the God who has already manifest himself in your life and shown you how great he is. He's already done great things in your life. He's already shown you he's a powerful God. He's already brought you from sickness. He's already brought you over hell and high water. He's already shown you how awesome he is and at the moment of a message from a messenger from Satan all of a sudden Elijah cracks and he starts running sometimes for you and I at the message from a messenger from Satan our faith breaks and we forget what God has already done and so when they say to you oh yeah we gonna do this to you you say oh my God you scared and start running when you forgot It was God who put you on that job. And how can Satan take from you what God has given to you? Lord, help me here. You forgot it was God who put the money in your bank account. And Satan can't touch what God has put in your account. And so don't believe the threat of the devil. Don't believe the messenger from Satan. He's just trying to shake your faith. But in this case, Elijah's faith got shaken and he started running. Listen to what she says. She says, let the gods do to me, the little gods. Let the little gods do to me and more if I don't make your life like one of theirs. Now, let's think about this for a moment because, see, this other thing that happens when you got the threat from a Jezebel. You're not thinking rationally because all of a sudden you're panicking, and he's panicking. She says, let the gods, the small gods. Now, just yesterday, Elijah, you just defeated Baal yesterday. You defeated her small god and proved that he wasn't God in the first place. And now she says, let the little gods do to me that you defeated. Let them do to me and more because they can't do nothing. They couldn't bring fire from heaven. They couldn't bring rain in the last three years. And they're supposed to be the god of the rain. And if they're the god of the rain and can't bring rain, why are you scared of what she's talking about? And so he starts running. I say, stop running, Elijah. She has no power over you. Stop running. Your Jezebel has no power over you. Stop running. They have no power over your life. They have no power over your stuff. They have no power over your circumstances. They've got no power over your future. That old ex-boyfriend, girlfriend has no power over your future except you give it to them. And I'd say get out of that Jezebel hell and stop letting people tell you what God has said different. Lord, help me here. If God says you're victorious, stop letting people People tell you you're defeated. I'm not defeated. It might look like I'm down, but I'm just getting started. You just warming me up. I'm getting ready to show you whose God is God. Don't let nobody talk negative over you when God has spoken positive in your life. Don't let nobody tell you you're a loser when God has said you are a winner. And don't let nobody tell you it's over when God said it ain't over till I say it's over. Don't let Jezebel lock you up. Don't let Jezebel put you on a run. Stop running. Stand still, Elijah, because your God is greater than Jezebel. Your God is greater than the small gods of this world. Your God is greater, and he's able to sustain you. To continue our journey, tune in next week for the second half of today's message. Praise the Lord. You have been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church 
under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions and support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-627-9500. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence.